we're going to be positive every day. You're the people being negative. You and some of the fans. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yosemite booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. It's the post-Dallas Entitled Town. Hello, friends. My name is Mike Irons. Uh, weekend Captain Shaq is here. Scartsy is here. Dan is here along with Mike on Route 1. Dan, I will start with you. The Patriots go into Dallas and they get annihilated 38-3. Um, we've been inundated with AIDS, of media AIDS, since the conclusion of that game. What do you take away from it? You're the easily the most balanced and centered and reasonable member of the podcast crew. So what, what were your takeaways from the, the loss in Dallas? Maybe I'm too rational <laughs> to be a fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, people are already using this game as an epitaph on Mac. That That's it. That's who he is. This is all he's ever going to be. Uh, and we've been the biggest Mac boosters of anybody. We saw the skill set, and, and we thought we saw the makings of a leader while others were uh, just looking at the, you know, the game results. They weren't winning. Uh, but there's no defending this game. It, it was just a complete dog of a performance. Uh, he made poor decisions. He made poor throws. He didn't protect the football. And as much as there was plenty of uh, blame to go around for the debacle, uh, he owns the lion's share, I think. So where do they go from here? Uh, you, you know this podcast well enough to know that there's uh, we're not going to go off the deep end. Um I've, I, but and I've already seen the declaration that Max clearly not it. I wouldn't go that far yet, far yet, and, and you don't have to go that far yet. He's he's only in season three. Uh, there's nobody that's behind him in the depth chart. That's the answer. So there's really no choice but to let him work it out. And and if he can't, that makes his fifth year option decision all the more easier. Mm -hmm. So I've I've seen a bunch of stupid arguments being thrown out there. Ben Volan tweeted that. Uh, Max physical limitations were on display Sunday, that being a lack of a strong arm or fast legs. Uh, Rex Ryan said that Mac had the weakest arm of all the starting quarterbacks in the league. Did anybody watching that game really think that he lost it because of his arm or his feet? It, it was his head. And then there was another tweet talking about how uh, third-year quarterbacks need wide receiver ones to reach the next level, like Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs or uh, Jalen Hurts with A.J. Brown. But what does that say about the Bengals, who have Chase and Higgins and can't get anything started offensively? Or the Vikings with Justin Jefferson? Or the Raiders with Devontae Adams? Uh, hell, Justin Fields has a strong arm, fast legs, and DJ Moore, and the, and the Bears are still 1-3. and three. So the Patriots are also 1-3, and three, and Mac played like shit. But there's a lot of football left, and I want to see what they do next. There's a ton of irony there with Ben Volan talking about anybody's limitations first and foremost, but that's neither here nor there. Mike, uh, the media has their knife sharpened. Your guy, Andrew Callahan, embarrassing himself. Uh, hit pieces galore. We got blow dry Giardi saying he feels like he's watching Jeff, Jeff Fisher. WEI's Mike Dicklick. He's accomplished enough to sit to play second uh, booster seat to Andy Hart on their Patriots pod. Curran has barely concealed glee. Hit pieces from Zach Cox, even Reese's salty. I'll say that. Where are you at after Sunday? 
Um, Shaq, this is where you can can insert the um, Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, I'm not fucking leaving. Um, clip right here. This is that would be a good time for that. Um, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> The show goes on! This is my home! They're gonna need a fucking wrecking ball to take me out of here! They're gonna need to send in the National Guard a fucking SWAT team, cause I ain't going nowhere! I said I would tap if they were 0-4. They're not 0-4. They're 1-3. And, um, and, you know, we'll discuss the 3-3, three and three, but I, I think that's where it's headed. Um, I, I just, I put it in the, uh, you know, pantheon of bad games mm-hmm. and you bury the ball and and that's it. And, and, and you, you forget about it. It doesn't mean, you know, I don't think they're going to forget about it in so much as, you know, they, <laughs> this is terrible and we have to be better. But you got to move on to this week, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't the the, the two throwbacks um, to the wide side were were bad throws, and then to me, it just looks like it was a cumulative effect of being sped up um, constantly, and Agreed. that's that's not that's not absolving him because he ultimately is making those bad throws. But I think our goal here is not to um, make excuses, but really try to figure out what we saw and how that might, um, you know, manifest itself going forward. So I, I just think the cumulative effect of the awful play at right tackle and, you know, say what you want about wide receiver ones, would they be better off with a really competent starting right tackle right now? Uh, low is just, is fucking brutal. And it, would they be better off with DeAndre Hopkins or, or uh, a competent right tackle? And if you want to put blame on Belichick, the, the blame, I think that he deserves not that I, he deserves any of it, but if you want to, if there's a criticism that can be leveled, I, in my opinion, it's that going into the season with a, uh, half planet, right tackle, a half measure, depending on, on reef, uh, staying, staying healthy, a 33, 34 year old, whatever he is, uh, that many games under his belt uh, was was a foolish idea. And I think you know you can't get a you can you can't get a tackle on the open market with the the cap room that they had. Mm-hmm. So you have to draft one. Um, I, I you know taking taking Gonzalez, I think was absolutely the right play. You know those are kind of outside of the the quarterback position. Those are kind of to me you know you know corners and corners and you can and, and linemen. You can never go wrong. So I just would have liked to seen him get a tackle somewhere along the line who could come in and play, even at a strange level last year uh, at guard, uh, the the tackle equivalent of that. Because then I'd at least have some hope for upside. I just don't see it with low. I hate to kind of repeat what I've said over the past couple of weeks, Gartsy, but it's very Clintonian of me to say it's the line, stupid. I mean, look what happened to Daniel Jones on Monday Night Football. Dan mentioned Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is injured. His offensive line has also been a shit show. Uh, Scarzi, let's not don't want to lead you down too Pollyanna a path here, but we've we've been saying the last couple of weeks, Mike referenced that there is a path to three and three. And I was glad, Mike, that you brought up the bury the ball game. And when I think of that, I think of the 30 to 10 loss in Miami in 2001 that coincidentally dropped them 
to one and three. And Brady referenced that on the uh, the Super Bowl film. But Scotty, um, New Orleans and then Vegas coming up three and three. I mean, the game plan is going to be more vanilla. It's going to be very, very conservative, I suspect. But there, there is a path there, right? Help me. Oh, absolutely. There's a path. I, I'm, I'm. Oh, I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to be the Pollyanna here. I don't care. I'm. I'm a firm believer. It can be. You know, three and three, and then five and five, and then you know, a bunch of underwear gnome question marks, and then you know, ten and seven. <laughs> I'm there. There's a. It. It can happen. It can happen, and I'm going to be. I'm going to be pleased when it happens because Lord knows, you know, every single, you know, jackal, hyena, vulture, muskrat, polecat, muskox, wombat, sidewander, cockroach, pillbug, stick insect, seahorse, blobfish, sea cucumber, and Portuguese man of war in the local and national media thinks they finally got, you know, they finally got old Billy Belichick up against the wall. Let's see him wriggle out of this. You and just mentioned the entire roster at NBC Sports Boston, right? <laughs> Bolin does look like a blobfish. Bolin does look like a blobfish. But we've been through this before. You know, no team looks as good after their worst loss. They're they're not that bad. I mean, this is this could be just a uh, an outlier. I hope it could be the uh, what the 2010 loss in Cleveland, where you know absolutely nothing went right, or. Uh, you know the uh, we're on to Cincinnati game against uh, against the Chiefs. That's so. Uh, that's I, I'm I, I remain I remain hopeful and just uh and just you know sticking a pin in. I'm going to you know be like one of those uh, Japanese holdouts on Guam when it comes to Mac. <laughs> Scarcy, you uh, you brought up the uh, the we're on to Cincinnati game. Shaq, uh, our guy Vinny sent an email in, and I'm going to direct this towards you. Uh, his question is, what was your overall feeling and mental state? Curious uh, phraseology there, Vinny. After the 2014 loss to Kansas City, have things ever felt this dreadful before so early in the season? Feels like it's over. Shoe pissing, I know. Uh, that this is Belichick's last year here, and what this follows is what this town truly deserves. That's dark, Vinny. That's really dark. I'm putting aside my lack of faith in the crafts to do the right thing, Shaq. Um I don't, I don't see the comparison to 2014. It's totally different situation. By dark days, do you remember the bounce pass enthusiast from a couple of years ago? So that was that was kind of the nadir of it for me. Uh, where are you at, Shaq? Yeah, these are not dark days by any means. It's the Jackie Mack dark and, days, right. Yeah, it's rough. Make no mistake about that, especially when you consider the injuries that have belayed this team over the last week, considering Matthew Judon, Christian Gonzalez, Devin Godshow. I mean, I mean, there's going to be guys that are going to have to step up, like guys like um, Keon White, who I expect to step up because he's looked good throughout the preseason and this season. So it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be hellish going through it. So make no mistake about that. But going back to the media, and it's not, it's not the quality of what they're saying, but it's how many people are saying it, and it's the volume in which they're saying it too. And and it's almost it's almost hilarious to watch all of these people are just just absolutely doing cartwheels, verbal cartwheels as to, you know, the time that, yes, this is when Belichick is going to get fired. We can't wait. Do they realize that if Belichick is fired? OK, great. You know what that means for you? We're not going to pay attention to you anymore. We're not going to nobody's going to want to listen to you. Nobody's going to want to watch your shows. So if they think that's what's going to happen. OK, great. But 
it's a like I've been saying all day. It's a train that they don't know that's coming. It's gonna hit them right in the ass, and they're just gonna be flying up and down. I I, I, just, I find it hilarious that that they're this adamant in it's gonna happen. But they've been really honestly. I remember back in that ten year period when the Patriots didn't go to the Super Bowl two thousand five to twenty fourteen. They were saying the same things then. So it, it's it's a broken record, you know. Second verse, same as the first. I feel like the you, you can hit when you got eighteen playing blackjack. Eventually, you're gonna you're gonna make you hit a three and make twenty one or, or win the pot. But you know you're not gonna make money doing that. Mike on Route One, uh, Andy Hart. I have a hair across my ass for Andy Hart. I think he's I think he's exceedingly dumb and arrogant for someone who, who needs a booster seat to get into his own vehicle. Uh, you want Andrew Callahan's <laughs> head on a a bald head on a pike. So what 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 uh, what is he doing? This got your eye, or just explain to us? Because we all have someone who pushes our buttons. I uh, yeah, and I didn't know. I really didn't know he like. I, I don't think as of maybe the beginning of the season, I could have told you who he wrote for. I, just some, I don't know, some generic like mass lives pulpit, like any kind of um, <laughs> any any kind of like random. Uh, is outlet. it the Wingo shit? Wingo Square shit? Yes, rag? it is. It is, and he um. There's a, I kind of feel like, I feel like a, a, a Gerald Lambeau talking to Will Hunting. Uh, <laughs> I was, I, I wish I never had met you. That's kind of the way I feel. No, because I can't, I can't, every, every time he tweets out a column, I have to go behind the paywall. Um, yeah, Cause I'm, you know, Lord knows I'm not paying for that, but uh, to see it just, there, there's that, just the arrogance. And what, what did he say yesterday? It was like gu- guilty there. The, the jury has returned their verdict in record time. <laughs> Bill Belichick is guilty of arrogance. It was like, geez, it, it really is like uh, it's, it's 20, you know, 20, 22 years ago, 22 years ago or so. And uh, it was just, uh, he, he, th- there's that arrogance among all of them. And it's just, where does this come from? How do you have, how do you have the balls Andy Hart, who is, you know, uh, the, the the eighth banana on the second banana radio station. Uh, <laughs> just like, how, how do you eight? I, I'm, you know, I'm giving him a promotion here, but like can't even can't even get on the radio during the week. It's really unbelievable. All this so, banana talk is giving Cam yeah. Taunton a stiffy. <laughs> yeah, he sucks. That guy sucks. And, it, and, and it's all of them. But but like Shaq said, it, it'll be you know, there is one uh, silver lining here if if things are really going tits up. Yeah, our, our guy Sal has been beating this drum. And Sal, I got to admit, I'm coming over to your side a little bit about I want a media bloodletting. Root for your own irrelevance more. You can't. Dan, um, Mike Dicklick from WEEI had the arrogant tweet that really ticked me off. And he was talking about it. it's hard to imagine that 31 other coaches could have survived the last 18 months in Foxborough. While Bill Belichick's leash is deservedly different, when will enough be enough for Patriots owner Bob Kraft? I alluded to this a little bit earlier. I don't have a ton of faith in the Kraft. Probably wrongly in my case. It's just a feeling. I feel inside the building. I don't have a ton of faith that Kraft is going to be. His neediness and his wanting to be loved. He's, the season he's not- goes. The season goes badly. It is going badly. You just please stay in the back. But go ahead. Your your thoughts on Kraft doing the right thing and what moving forward. He's on record as saying some things that sound an awful lot of how he was talking about Parcells back with Willie McDonough. You know, saying and and I'm hoping it's just 
in the moment somebody's asking oh you know how you, how what's it like dealing with that asshole bob you know that kind of thing and and he's just going along with it and that he there's actually a longer he's got more more patience than that but those type of things scare me to think that he's just ungrateful and and that he, he could be swayed by mm-hmm. uh public pressure and media pressure and 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 fellow owner pressure Scarts and Crafts has a little bit of Upton in him that he wants to frame everything to put himself in the best possible light. Going back to uh, the, the excuse me the Spygate stuff where he told uh, reporters that he called Bill Belichick a schmuck. Um, you know, am I am I wrong here? It, it's a it's a sensible precaution that uh, to be prepared for Bob to do something self serving. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, damaging to the uh, the overall health of the team because he's he's a bit of a, you know, what's the term of art? A needy star fucker, yes, I think, is the yes. word is the term we're looking for. Meek Mill Probably next. Rich. Meek Mill will be ringing the bell on Sunday, right? <laughs> it's going to happen one of these weeks. <laughs> oh, oh, dear Lord. Uh, Shaq, the, the Belichick stuff aside, um, I shouldn't say aside, but. You know, your what's your impression of your faith of Kraft doing the doing the right thing and doing right by Belichick? Well, he's never met a microphone he didn't want to hump, so that that scares me the most. Is especially these last five years where, you know, anytime he, I wish I wish that somebody just gave him a script so he could just read off of it. You know, kind of like Mitch McConnell style. Just let him just just give somebody on the side and let him because anytime he speaks. Without any prompts, it's bound to be bad. So I, I don't have any faith in him. I've, I haven't had faith in him in, yeah, ever, like you said, Spygate and, and especially during the Flake Gate. I, you know, he came out forcefully um, initially, but then it, it, it started to waver. And I, I don't know. But it, to me, it seems like he's, like you said, Scarcy, it seems like he's re- he's willing to play the game in order to get along. And that's not gonna. That's not gonna work, especially when again you got all these media leeches are just wanting to pounce, and you need in this type of situation you need an owner to be there for his head coach and slash GM. And yeah, I don't think we we have that in Bob Kraft, unfortunately. Oh, he he wants to sit at the cool owners table at the uh, at the meetings this year for sure. And you know they've been there. You know some of the other owners have you know whispering that you know this is going to be his year. And that this is the way he's always acting. And it's, it's, you know, for someone who, you know, used to run a box factory or whatever he did. And so, uh, and, you know, thank you for buying, you know, the stadium <laughs> and, and then the team. But do you, you imagine don't... having, having the wanting to get a cookie from somebody like Jerry Jones, seeking that approval from the, from the Mara family, from the Roonies? Fuck those guys. Jesus, those those guys did everything to try to screw you and fuck your franchise over. Jerry, Jerry, I'm sure has uh, you know uttered a few epithets um, <laughs> t- towards Robert's chosen people in his day. I'm sure. So you know what the fuck, man. The, I've had this bookmarked. This Mike, you just gave me the perfect perfect uh, opening to do this. Pro Football Talk tweeted back on September 12th. Uh, there's a Jim Trotter complaint. Jim Trotter was a former reporter for the NFL Network. Um, these, this is, uh, lines in his lawsuit. Um, 
These are the people that Bob Kraft wants to see at the cool table with. Terry Pagula, owner of the Buffalo Bills, stated in reference to player protest against racial injustice, quote, if the black players don't like it here, they should go back to Africa and see how bad it is, end quote. The next line, as another example, Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, responded to a question posed by Mr. Trotter regarding the Darth of black professionals' decision-making positions for NFL teams by stating, quote, if blacks feel some kind of way, they should buy their own team and hire who they want to hire, end quote. Oh. That's the person that Bob Kraft, the, the, these are the people folks. that Bob Kraft <laughs> is seeking the approval of. Good Lord. All right, so back to more frivolous stuff and the football stuff. Mike, uh, Scarzi made reference to this. There's a path to three and three. There's a path to five and five. They, they played the Saints at Foxborough this week. The week after that, they go to Vegas and get a reeling uh, Raiders team. Then they have uh, the Bills at home and the Dolphins on the road. So it's kind of a double, triple set of games. The Saints, the Raiders, then the Bills and the Dolphins. And then uh, Washington goes to Foxborough, and then the Colts go to Foxborough. So there's four very winnable games. They'll probably be favored in four out of the next six games. So um, like you were saying earlier, it was it looked bad Sunday, but it's it's always darkest before the light, right? Oh, it's always it's always as my my uh, the late Senator McCain used to say. Uh, it's always dark. It's just before it goes completely black. So maybe we're <laughs> in for the fight. <laughs> maybe it's over. But uh, I I think you know one of the things you said earlier, um, Iron is, uh, you think they're going to play it really conservative, and if they do the pack it in, fucking you know, uh, three yards in a cloud of dust thing, I'm going to fucking lose my mind, and. I, in my head, I have the New Orleans game. It's probably end up being a fucking rock fight um, because they they looked, they looked brutal last week. But in my brain, I do have like, okay, spread it out. Like, let's just go. Let's go tempo right off the bat. It's going to look like you know Cincinnati in fourteen. But that's what I. That's how I have it in my head. Um, but that is that that is my I'm, I'm but it's really that's what my heart is telling me. Uh, I just I hope they don't do that fucking conservative thing where let's just you know hopefully we can you know ride it like it's a fucking racehorse that comes off the pace and try to win it at the wire. I, I just uh, they get they have to be they have to be someone else. Um, and you know the inability just if they come out and they're just running it for two yards on on first down again and that's really you know you look at the success rate um on first down he, he, uh, he running the ball in 2020 in 2021 uh especially Harris and then um having Stevenson um in his rookie year they were their ability to run the ball on early downs really just set the tone for who they are and I just I they haven't been able to do that and that's you know we thought they'd be able to do that against Dallas uh clearly that didn't happen on uh, the line isn't isn't able to do that so uh, i just hope they don't do that and you know they did of course they did just lose their two best defenders uh so how, how do you manage that it's, it's a lot easier to do you know, when gonzalez went down I, i'm usually i can usually find a reason why i think they're going to win even in, when they're getting their ass kicked i that was that was as bad as i was uh, yeah. that's it that's it for me I, I was pretty tapped out even though i was put on i said break. please get up yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I put on a brave face in the tech. I, by the way, I downloaded that that Lombardi book and I, I returned it in about five minutes of listening. It was brutal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just hope I just hope they come out and they, they play the game like the offense we thought they could be. And I, I just I, I don't know. When do we get skinny wrists back? Oh, this week they're saying, huh? Yeah, oh, that could be something. Be the thing. Yeah, he's might be the one that's closest out of all those guys. Yeah. 
And for the defense, just keep throwing Joneses at the problem. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Skinny wrist Thornton greater than weak shouldered Gonzalez. Um, also, we, we got to figure out we got to figure out what's going on with Stevenson because I don't know. There's something there's something there that I the last the last year or so I I mean I mean we it, it's a different guy. I, I know it's the line, but Stevenson just ugh, there's, there's, I just there's, there's, there's an, one yard Reggie there. Dupar. I just think they're predictable. The they're very predictable. The line. They're yeah. very predictable running the ball. You you can tell what they're going to run, and there's one thing to be predictable. It's one thing to be predictable with poor execution. I think that's. That's, you know, they, everybody knows it's coming out anyway, but, you know, it, it, there was one run with Zeke even um, going left, motioning Gusecki into the hole. And it was just they had they had a, it was sniffed out on the on the play side um, and it just it, it was totally sniffed out. And just like it. But you're filling with Gusecki. So it's like, I don't know, is he the guy to be doing that? I, I'm not sure. So I, I just I'm still not thinking there's this big problem with, with Stevenson. Um, I thought you know, Zeke has looked better the last has looked a little bit better as late, but I don't know. I, I'm not well, sure uh, that I'm not ready to hit the panic button on Stevenson yet. There we go. I'm not a Twitter doctor, but uh, my theory long COVID. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the, the predictability COVID. was supposed to be over with uh O'Brien, too. You know, that's that that was supposed to be the end of this. We're, we're supposed to see all the magic that that he brings, the the motion, the you know pre-snap motion, that type of thing. The other thing I want to mention is that, you know, Oct- uh, September is over. We're into October, so we can't use the September's their preseason excuse right. anymore. Right. I think it all comes back to it's, you know, why are you predictable? Because you can't you can't execute up front in the trenches on, on offense. So hopefully yeah, I, they can I, I control would, the ball on Sunday. I think Fred that's Mike. a good point there, Dan. Uh, you know, the, 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 the play calling thing in, you know, look, Maybe the I, I tend to think, and I, I the issues with Patricia were much further back than game day, right? In, installation. Um, so I just don't see that it it was it was the play calling, and I still don't think it's the play calling now. Um, it's it's something else. Agreed. As I mentioned, big one Sunday against New Orleans. Um, we'll either have a therapy session or we'll, we'll be. Uh, collectively exhaling next week. I want to get into next. Uh, a lot of stuff has happened in the NBA. The season's going to be opening up uh, inside of the month. Uh, Damian Lillard goes from Portland to Milwaukee, and that leads to a chain a chain of events that lead, wind up having Drew Holiday ending up in green. Dan, is this is this the, is it's possible that Milwaukee's trade to get Lillard? They had to do it. They have to keep Giannis happy, but it's is it possible the Celtics wound up a net positive with Holiday winding up in green? They absolutely did. Oh, this I, I love that they swing for the fences with this. I mean, I realize you have to give up something to get something, but I like the commitment to to winning that they're doing with this. That's this uh, for all that we were disappointed about the from the Cowboys game. I, I'm so excited by that trade. Agreed. Mike, Brad Stevens, I think Stevens has proven to be a pretty damn good executive so far. He's not afraid to make big moves. Uh, kudos to Celtics ownership for willing to pay that tax bill and go for it, signing Jalen to the big deal and adding another $35 million plus a season player in holiday. Um, I feel really good about where they're at. Um, losing Rob Williams, okay, you have to give up something to get something. The draft picks, okay. 
Um, for the, the winter teams for the second consecutive year, they appear, uh, one of them appears to be all in. Uh, I, I couldn't have been more. Uh, there's, you know, if you had said pick a player that you could have, mm-hmm. um, just unbelievably perfect fit. I'm, I'm perfect defensive player. Uh, you know, the best uh, you know, defensive guard in the league, in my opinion, um, a better defender than white, which seems kind of impossible but he he's fucking great um can shoot tough as nails um unafraid just i just i I, i'm i'm still shocked that they got him um and lillard especially you know okay the salary difference is 12 million dollars it doesn't really matter it's essentially you know it's a giant chunk that they're taking up but what an unbelievable uh i I just don't it was miscalculation (laughs) the celtics would end up with him so how did they because Lillard is really bad defensively, um, really, really bad. Third, and in Scrozio, like this, according to my the only metric that I really like, it, it, which is LeBron, um, <laughs> the uh, you know the the third worst defensive player in the league, other than I think Dougie McBuckets and uh, <laughs> and Dragic, I think. Um, so just uh, he's a better disaster defensively, and I just I can't believe um, that they ended up with it, and they're going to be a wagon defensively. It's going to be fucking awesome. Dame Lillard makes uh, Peyton Pritchard seem like Dennis Johnson on the defensive end. If you watch him a little bit, Scott Dame. Yeah, one word, Dame. <laughs> uh, it's a shame. Hopefully they, uh, hopefully maybe uh, maybe the Bucks can get Spider next. <laughs> <laughs> Just get the uh, the idiot nickname uh, crew together. And of course, uh, it's a shame that that you know obnoxious teenager Marizon or whatever his uh, name is is you know. Realizing that uh, that the, the Celtics, uh, because of uh, you know unintended consequences, came out the best out of this whole deal, which is, <laughs> I I just think it's a shame that uh, that uh, you know Milwaukee doesn't have a uh, doesn't have an NHL team <laughs> that uh, that he can you know get uh, get a uh, get his heart broken by, but you know we, we shouldn't, but I I think it's going to be a fun year. It's a shame that uh, you have to you know there's no Brogdon. So he's he's out of the picture, and you know we thank you for your service. And the same with uh, the same with you know weird Celtics Twitter favorite Time Lord. <laughs> oh, Time Lord! Time Lord, Smarf, Time Lord, and Smarf in the same offseason. My God! <laughs> Thoughts and prayers to the weird Celtics Twitter, Shaq. I think that maybe the best part of Lillard going to Milwaukee and Holiday going to Boston out of all of it is simply the shot in Freud. That the heat will get nothing oh, and like it. Oh, oh it's great. beautiful. Oh God, it's so good when Pat Riley and all those people just have to eat it. It's so good. But, but going back to um, going back to to Drew. Um, when it's Game Seven against the Bucks, and then Dame is the ball with ten seconds on the clock, on the shot clock, we're gonna be glad that Drew's there to stop him. And you know, a combination of the Jays, White. Drew, KP, and Al closing games, it's a lot more potent than what the C's were used to having. So I think it's 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 great all around. And it it it, it makes this team better. And I'm and I want to I d I don't want to say I'm I'm quit I'm quitting uh uh the Patriots for this, but it 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 makes the season a lot, lot more interesting to watch. Did yeah, you see it's, uh it's Charles Pierce getting all scared about losing Williams because of Porzingis injury history? 
yeah, I want to talk about ironic. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Do you think they need another big, Dan? Um, well, they just signed another big if you count Blake. He's going to win them a playoff game. It's back on. It's back on. <laughs> right. Take my money. <laughs> All right. So, uh, spoiler the Honks and the Bobos and the collective, uh, we're excited for the, uh, we're excited for the 2022, excuse me, 2022. Jesus, talk about living in the past there. It's for Christ Almighty. We're excited for the Celtic. So as those of you who listen to the podcast and undoubtedly follow sports the same way you do, if you're listening to this, um, Tim Wakefield passed um, over the weekend. It came a little bit out of the blue despite, despite piece of shit, Kurt Schilling um, going off without permission. But Tim Wakefield, the platitudes have been coming in for Tim Wakefield, by all accounts, uh, a good man, an exceptional teammate. And I have some audio here. Mike Cole from Nesson posted this audio. This is uh, immediately following uh, the Red Sox winning the World Series in 2007 against the Rockies. Um, Mike Timlin steps in while Tim Wakefield is being interviewed. And it's a good measure of how he was loved in time and uh, the platitudes after his passing um, deserved. I'm going to celebrate with my teammates and my wife and, uh, and have some fun. Celebrate Mike Timlin right now. Go ahead, Tim. I just want to say one thing. This guy right here, this win is for this man right here. Because he was not on the roster, and he showed so much heart by saying, I, I, I can't be on the roster, and it was good for the team. This is what kind of person is standing right here. I love this guy. I'm proud of this guy. It's the hardest, <laughs> it's the hardest thing to do take yourself out of the game for someone else and he did it and i'm proud of him we all have our wakefield memories scarcely um the one that popped to mind for me was we all know what happened in game seven in 2003 at yankee stadium uh 2004 a year later um you can say this a lot a lot about a lot of the members of the 2004 red sox but they do not win the World Series. They don't win that series without Tim Wakefield. Him taking the bullets in game in game three, give the bullpen the rest, throwing three white knuckles, scoreless innings. Poor Jason Varitek had years taken off his life trying to catch that knuckleball uh, in extra innings in game five. Um, Doug Mirabelli and Mike Timlin took Tim Wakefield back out to the mound after game seven in 2004 in Yankee Stadium to be with him on the mound where he experienced his lowest professional moment. And the fact that his teammates in that moment would take him back out there and toast with him and drink champagne with him. I thought that was a a very, very cool moment. But um, when you think of Tim Wakefield, what do you think of? Oh, geez. Like you say, you think of him, you know, eating those innings in Oh four in the playoffs there. No one, no one thinks of thinks ill of him for what happened in that game seven in Oh three. It was it was a inevitability. It was going to happen to someone, and it just so happened to be him. After uh, after Grady Little, and it's a uh, it's kind of a shame that uh, that the uh, 2010 and 2011 Red Sox squads had a bunch of hard luck uh, games, which uh, kept Wakefield from you know tying. Uh, Roger and Cy for the uh, number of wins yeah. for 
for the Red Sox. He did. He did get to that 200 after, <laughs> after. Oh, but that was a that was a long, tough summer. I'm sure for him too. Timmy 199. Sure. <laughs> the 199 uh, tour, yeah. Oh yeah, I think it was. You know, he got a win in you know July and then another one in September, and that was, and that was that. But it was it was it was a it was a, a consummate professional, you know, a master of an arcane skill. And just a just a, a great Red Sox, and he's going to be going to be terribly missed. Amen. Uh, Tim Wakefield's first major league start was a complete game shutout against the St. Louis Cardinals. He set the baseball world on its ear his rookie year in the National League Championship Series against the Braves, almost single handedly dragging the Pirates to to beat uh, the, the Braves in that series. He started the '95 season fourteen and one for a hodgepodge uh, Red Sox team that wound up going to the playoffs. Um, he never pitched less than 130 innings in his major league career. And that included a year where he got 15 saves. He still managed to, p- to pitch well di- into triple digit innings. Uh, good ball player, good teammate, better man. Uh, you know, unfortunately, this kind of stuff happens when you get older, but th- this one hit me hard, Mike. Uh, your your thoughts on Wake? Um, yeah, I thought, like you said, I, my first, of course, memory of him is, is the 92 LCS. Um, you know, my grandfather was a Braves fan, um, as well from, uh, growing up in, in, in New England, um, at the time. And so uh, yeah, I watched a lot of nineties Braves games on TBS, of course, and, um, was rooting for the Braves, but, uh, I still remember the Wakefield knuckler coming in on the game seven intro yes, on the yes. oh, great, the great CBS um intro uh cbs baseball intro music um and he had one game six and you know if if jose leaned could uh could field then um you know he's gold probably, probably, despite the fact <laughs> smalls probably deserve the mvp mm-hmm. even even with if they had if the braves had lost games having you know three really strong starts in that series um but wakefield probably wins the, the nlcs mvp if if uh if um lean can field but you know of course uh, 96 was you know i think for me, you know, up there, not as good as 88 as a summer, but 95 was was pretty damn fun after having, uh, you know, five down years, really. And, um, yeah, just the value of him in in that rotation and or, or out of the rotation. Uh, but to put up those many innings in, I think, 14 out of 17 years, he had uh, league average or better, um, usually much better um, ERA. And to be able to have that kind of guy there. Um, you know, and, uh, the, the wildness of the, the knuckler, notwithstanding, there's a ton of, a ton of value in that. And he was, he's probably the, what the second greatest knuckleballer of all time. Um, so yeah, that was, it was brutal. And the fact that Kurt Schilling, um, it wouldn't have been any better if he had, you know, six months to live, but the fact that it was in their final days dealing with that shit, um, just, uh, what an unbelievable piece, piece of crap he is. Schilling is is an enormous piece Hyundai of crap. Alonso I don't know if I would. Honda Civic. I should probably look, close that tab, the Tim Wakefield tab, the ad coming in from uh, Baseball Reference. He's an enormous piece of shit. I want to get to Upton Bell, and who is proving himself uh, late in life to just be an irredeemable piece of shit. Uh, Dan, the Wakefield thing. Um, your, your any thoughts on Wake? Well, I'm not the baseball guy here, so I'm not going to be able to call up the specific memories like you guys. Obviously, watched the series. I'm I'm always I've always had a fascination for knuckleballers, though. I mean, because it's such a 
unique thing. It adds this special flavor. And while it's something for a guy to, you know, you, you do have an expectation that maybe they can go longer and into their career because they're not putting so much pressure on their arms, but you still have to have a mastery of it. And it's, it's, it's a ball that can, you know, sometimes it can be absolute junk, but when you see a knuckleballer that's on his game, it's, it's a really special thing to watch because, because everybody is flabbergasted by it. And uh, I do remember watching games like that with, with Wakefield. Mariners pitcher. And he gave his, and he gave his all. I mean, the guy that gave his all to the organization, what more can you say about a player? Yeah. I was really touched by it. Just no one has a bad thing to say about Tim Wakefield in death. Um, and they, and they said it in life as Mike Timlin expressed his fondness for his teammate in the audio that we played a little bit earlier. Um, Shaq, you want to wrap up our uh, remembrances of, uh, the great Tim Wakefield. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm probably, uh, I was still in my formative years when during that old 304, uh, era, but my first thought is when, when Aaron Boone, Aaron fucking Boone homered, it wasn't about the curse. It wasn't about like stuff like Grady Little and stuff. It was like, damn, I wish Wake didn't deserve this because why that guy? Because he did everything the team asked of him, and then would have been more would have been a worthy MVP choice in 03 if they had won that series. Absolutely, yeah. He was as much of a leader of that club as anybody, and his true character as a human is something that men should want their children to emulate. You know, athletic wise and person wise. So it's a gut punch. Um, yeah, I, I, but I agree. Fuck, fuck Kurt Schilling, and yeah, may, may rest in peace. Amen to that. Um, last but not least on my hit list here is that um, another blow to a, a former New England great athlete, Russ Francis, died tragically um, over the weekend in a, a plane crash. Uh, he was seven years old. He's he's truly one of the great Patriots in history. Within minutes of uh, the announcement of Russ Francis's death, and we covered a little bit what a piece of human fecal matter Upton Bell was on the last couple of podcasts. Upton Bell, who's tweeting nonstop, tweets has two tweets about Russ Francis, making about himself, of course, but I found these plainly disgusting. Upton on October 2nd, if Russ Francis wanted to be the greatest tight end he could have been, but he had too many interests, including the way he died. His body is not cold, and Upton thought to tweet that. Not sinking low enough, Upton then the same day tweets, and he's, he's quote tweeting the obituary in the Boston Globe when he says this. Russ Francis, former Patriots tight end, killed in Lake Placid plane crash. Russ Francis had it all as a player, broadcaster, and personality. I did a weekly radio show with Russ for almost a year. I always felt there was something missing unfulfilled promise this is in the minutes after the man's the the announcement that russ francis died upton bell is proves himself more and more daily on a non-stop basis to be a huge irredeemable irredeemable piece of shit and when it, when upton comes to the media's maker i hope that the, those tweets are read to his face because you know what fuck that guy all right Scartelli is the purveyor of the sports junk drawer. He is at Pat Scartell. Dan is at Patriots Daily. Mike on Route 1 is in this town one. Weekend Shack is at Atomic Dog 5150 and entitled Weekend. 
My name is Mike Irons. Thank you for listening to Entitled Town. Hopefully we'll have good things to talk about next week, more uplifting things. Oh God, I gotta go get me a Xanax, Jesus Christ. But <laughs> before I get the Xanax, please remember, as always, to turn off your radios. And we're gonna stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm gonna succumb to negativity, you're wrong. You got the wrong guy leading this basketball team.